0: (laughs) So let's say the identification of self is in place, that means the self thing has fulfilled this quote-unquote mission, which is there's a feeling of being you, a vague sense of being you. It's sort of like a thought, an idea of you, and then you have a feeling around it, which is like a double bind, because it's... Like, usually it's easier to see thoughts when they're not attached to feelings, yes? As seeing just thoughts. When there's a feeling, it seems to have a real impact because it feels like it's you feeling, it, yeah? So a thought idea is very a very strong bonding mechanism. Mm-hmm. So the mind-mental process has a vague idea, very an idea of being a self, which it, it implies by selfing, selfing, going on all day. Your head is, uh, you know, they say you have 70,000 thoughts a day. 70,000 thoughts a day pass through your system. Now, we talk about it a lot here, but... You know, I used to house painter so I didn't use I didn't need seventy thousand thoughts to do my job every day, you know. Every day there was usually four walls and a ceiling somewhere. <laughs> I was painting. There wasn't many abstractions occurring, you know. It, maybe there was a geo dome every once in a while, a year or something, but still it was pretty straightforward. So for me to get to work and to do my job and you know, and to fulfill certain drives like eating and, you know, whatever. It didn't take seventy thousand thoughts. It took maybe 15, you know, 15 little like uh, bulletins, you know, hey, Paul, go to lunch. All right. And then go to lunch, eat, and then go back to work. Yeah. Very simple, very direct, and very informative. And that, I think, is part of the role of the conditional mind is to inform you, you know, don't make a right here, or whatever, you know, sort of like that. But for it to be the narrator of one's life is way past its, like, f- function. Really. Yeah. Once it starts becoming the narrator of your life, then going to lunch has tons of ideas about it. Well, where should I go to lunch? What should I eat? Oh, I've been there before, so the past comes into it. Oh, I don't want to spend too much time driving, so the idea of the future comes into it. So there's a lot of... uh, A mental storm comes around every possibility during the day, and there's a lot of thoughts around it. A lot of thoughts. So, I would say most of those thoughts are really reinforcing the identification as a self. Yeah? The selfing, see, some, some, let's say people learn or they, get the, they like the term selfing to describe like the mental conditional stream of you know, thoughts. But then they say, oh, they all email me and say, oh, the, the selfing's driving me crazy. See, that's the product of selfing, it's the feeling of you being driven crazy. It's not the activity of the mental process. That's what it's doing, it's selfing. Yeah? That's how it's trying to organize life. Yeah? It believes it's in the position of running the show and it's doing the best it can with the system it has, which is a failed system. Yeah? It doesn't. It's a very small system of thought and those thoughts are totally compromised by the concepts of past and future. Yeah? They're usually just vehicles for the past and future to be delivered to you. Yeah? So most of your thoughts are about you, about you somewhere else at some other time, aren't they, a lot of the days. So when you're worrying about you in the future, the the mental system presents you as what? As a body. So you couldn't worry about yourself next week unless the fixated object, the mind circulating around wasn't there, which is identification as a body. Because now the mental process can take this body and project it anywhere at some other time. And do what? Think about it. That's what it does, yeah. It thinks about what could possibly happen to you. It thinks about what happened to you. And there's tons of quote-unquote knowledge about what happened to you. you know, It just, it geometrically progresses. Unbelievably. It's like an explosion. So here's the moment. Here's, let's say, what people would call the now. Yeah? Here and now. Which isn't, there isn't any here and now in a sense, but let's just say, as a reference, there's a here and now. Yeah? Now the mental process responds to or reacts to this here and now with there and then. Every thought it has about here and now, every feeling is a re feeling. Every thought is a rethought. Yeah? It's a system looping back on itself. Yeah? Engage with the conscious contact, that's that's what causes it to stir, is consciousness being in contact, yeah? There is an onness that's recognized. You feel on today. No matter what, you really can't dispute that. There's somehow a sense of being on, yeah? Now the mental process reacts to that and says, I know who's on. It's a you, yeah? But it's a different you because there's tons of you's in this room. I'm seeing a lot of you's right now, yeah? But when I but when I see this, I call it me. But I see this you. Like if I look in the mirror, a full-length mirror, I'd be very happy, obviously. (laughs) If I look at the full-length mirror, yeah, and I see me, it looks in a sense in form just like you. You know, different height, this and that. Yes. Like I'm seeing you in a reflection. I see. Uh, you, but I call it me. This is called the act of being identified. That's it. That's the self thing. It can't be what it's identifying with. It can't make a self. I mean, it can't create a self. It can make a self. It makes it appear to be. Like a giant assumption or a giant impliedness. So all the interpretation of the mental process all day of conscious contact implies there's someone who's in conscious contact. Yeah? And it gives that someone a fixed location, a body. And I don't care if you think you're in the body or you're not the body. But when you're thinking you're not the body, you're thinking it from the basis of being a body. (laughs) Like a big realization in quote-unquote spirituality is the realization you're not a body. Well, there must have been a delusion that you were the body to have that realization you're not the body. If you're not the body, there'd be no realization of it. Yeah, you're just not the body. It's just a, it's like a prior state. There's no realization. Yeah. So what happens is, if there's a sense of being a body, you may have an experience called "I'm not the body," but very rarely does that uh, stabilize. You'll tend to be the body again, (laughs) because you can't escape the dualistic (laughs) ping-pong match. You can't. If you believe you were a body and you're seeking the realization you're not the body, you're going to have a lot of feelings and interpretations that you are the body most of the time. <laughs> and, that, and that feeling, of in the body, but I could be out of it, is just another another carrot before the engine of seeking, which is the mind's activity. Yeah? Selfing seeks. That's what it does. It seeks. It seeks. It seeks. It's just an engine. It has a lot of different... Uh, Expressions are manifestations of the seeking, but the engine is the same. It's rooted in agitation. Yeah, the mind is trying to rest on a very unstable foundation. The idea of being a body or a self. Yes, so it's sort of like if you go to those motels and you put a quarter in, and it's like a massage bed in the bed. It's sort of like your life is resting on like one of those beds, and the self thing is like putting a quarter in every every five minutes. So trying to think, I'm going to relax, but you're speaking there. (laughs) Because it's like, so you can't have peace based on agitation. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So what is it that's causing agitation? I'm saying what it is, is an identification as a self. It's not a tattoo. It's more like a henna tattoo. It has to be applied every day because it's not a. It doesn't become permanent. It's just an idea that the mental process is projecting, yes? And reinforcing with a thought system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because, just like I said before, the system that we're seemingly uh, relying on takes us to be a body. So, if you're going to know you, you're usually going to know you through thought, and that thought casts you as a body. So, you're going to know yourself as a body, or in a body, Having a body, yes. You can't escape it because the thought system—that's how it presents you. It couldn't present you any other way because it's based on a concept called time, and it needs an object to fixate on to place somewhere else. It can't place spirit like four weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh my spirit was somewhere four weeks ago. Now it's here. Where does your spirit <coughs> end and begin? How, do you have like a little box of spirit that you can mail back to four weeks ago? Oh, um, my spirit is been four weeks. Let me tell you what happened to my spirit four weeks ago. No. The only way you can describe an event in the past is as a body. Yeah? Yeah. So, it's called the act of identification. So, people sometimes, whoever, they think, they start learning about, let's say, selfing, but they still think it's happening to them. Which is the product of the selfing. See? You're watching, maybe you're seeing the activity and you're thinking that's giving you a freedom from it. It's not giving you a freedom from it if there's a feeling of you getting free from it. The feeling of you is the product of the selfing. It's not it's not a long lasting, independent, free, constantly on feeling. It has to be reinforced by an interpretation. And that's what the daily narrative of life based on the conditioned mind does. It reinforces the idea of being a self. Yeah? So now, you look at life from this point of view and you look at life at happening to this point of view. So instead of life happening, which is a beautiful way of seeing it, it's life happening to me. Yeah? Everything gets pulled into this little black hole of selfing to be done with. What? Thought about felt about, rehashed, revisited, and then projected back into a future so I'll be future visiting there. Yeah? This occupation is totally preoccupying our interest and intention. Our attention and interest is wrapped in this idolatry of this mental idea called being a self. In Buddhism, they use a word, cherish. You cherish the self. I would say that's a pretty good description of it. Because it's sort of like a love-hate relationship. (laughs) You love it and you hate it, but you want to be it. (laughs) And you can talk to someone blue in their face. If they want to be that, that's what they want to be can describe it, you can talk about the dilemmas of it, you can say all the pitfalls for it, and they'll go, I know, I know, I know, which is just as every message you, they could receive. Because of course, especially if there's an offering of nothing, which you've gotten so much something and you're like, heaven, I shit, how many more somethings are you going to acquire? <laughs> what have they done, really? <laughs> they add up to Nothing. Why? Not, why don't you get introduced or entertain Nothing, and that may end up the something really. I, swear to God, I will, because it's very rarely do you receive nothing. It's always, and why? Even if nothing is presented, it's taken or it's conceptually uh, interpreted as a something. Yes? yes. So one of the dilemmas of these types of meetings, and this there isn't any type of meeting. The word advaita or non-duality. Non-duality means not to. There's nothing ever called a non-duality meeting. <laughs> not to. It's a negation of something. It doesn't affirm the negation. It just negates what's being affirmed by our perceptions, which is duality. Yeah? So we're trying to say, hey, that, uh, we're not, that's not so. We're not saying, but this is so. As soon as this is so, you will turn and make it into something. So it's just a negation. Yeah? So this is just a meeting where we're inviting, or yeah, just invi- an invitation. And an invitation, you know, you don't get a 50-page invitation, do you? <laughs> usually it's like, come here at 7 o'clock and you'll be fed. All right, I like that invitation. Or a message. A message is usually short, like brief, yeah? not a giant four-week Retreat. (laughs) It's It's a catalyst. It's like if your car was broken down, but it's actually not broken down. It appears to be broken down. But if you go and you take the air filter off the carburetor and you put a couple of drops of gas in there and you push the, which you already have, you have the gas pedal and you have the ignition, if you do that, sometimes it catches, yes? And now it's running again. So it was seemingly broken down, it really wasn't, it just didn't have any gas. But if you keep pouring gas in it, you'll flood it. So this message is a very, very, I believe, a brief message. It can be repeated quite a lot, but it doesn't have to be drawn out, yeah? Being it drawn out, take, giving it more time doesn't mean you're going to get more of it. Because the solution is a timeless solution. It doesn't have the ingredient of time. Yet our conditionality wants to translate it into time. Yeah. You going into a week retreat, Isn't gonna re- it may seem to be different to you, but in essence it's not different than an hour meeting. Really, The message is just received by mind. It's a timeless solution. It doesn't translate into time. It can actually translate here as something that happens to you over time, a little deep in or whatever, but the message is not of time. It's timeless. The best way to capture it in your life would be what you would call a pause. You ever have one of those pauses? Or some people have had seemingly something as occurred to that was a long pause called an an epiphany. But let's say a pause occurs, and really it's the absence of what you would call you. That's what the pause is. And obviously something's still there when you seem to be absent. That should give you a hint. (laughs) There should be a hint gotten from that event when (laughs) something happens and you're still there, but you're not there. (laughs) Maybe I'm not that which is not there, (laughs) and maybe what I'm not is never actually there. Maybe could go that far. It's not a big leap. It isn't. Once it shows its inherent absence, you can entertain its constantly absent. You can. The mind just needs to have the information. It needs the possibility. The mind can entertain unbelievable, unbelievably entertain. but it does need, for some of us, the way it's been conditioned here, it needs to hear an invitation. Once it's heard, let's say once you hear that I'm not that, like in recovery, I come from recovery, and how they describe the root of the problem is obsession with self, you know, this idea of being poor. Your interest and attention totally fixated on all those thoughts and feelings being interpreted in regards as you, yeah? It's just incredible. And you want relief, so you get loaded. That's what happens. It's just unbearable. And you want to get some relief. And you're willing to do almost anything to get relief. Really. It gets to a point where you're willing to pay any consequence tomorrow to have some relief now. Because it's an unbearable disease, really. Alcohol is really... It, uh, you can't take an X-ray of it, but it has the huge effects—fucking <laughs> huge effects—on the body and everywhere else in one's life. Unbelievable! It's like a parasite. Yeah. But I don't believe it's obsession with self. I think that's what the condition of mind, identified as self, does to reinforce it, that identification. It has to, because it's not a a real uh, togetherness. Yes, it has to be bonded. It has to be. The uh, glue has to be applied every day. So for the trance to continue, because it's a trance, there has to be the trancing. Yeah? The state of being in a trance, which is taking, the mind taking itself to be a you, there has to be trancing for that to keep going. It's not like you're in a trance, and that's the way it is, so there you go. No, it's trancing, it's, it's a verb, self. It has to keep going because it's not, it can't create the condition it's implying. It can only make it appear to be that way. Yeah. It can't. It cannot create it. It cannot create a self. It makes it appear to be that way. And to, that, to keep that appearance in place, to have you take yourself to be that, right, consistently, the trans has to keep going. I would say that's why there's seventy thousand thoughts a day going through the Navi. because it's a big advertising campaign. A lot of not, it's just no. There's no. Uh, really, there's no product. There's just living on hope and ideas. and <laughs> the desire to be special and right, and like that. <laughs> it's, it's when you see it, you probably laugh. <laughs> this is very hilarious. How incredibly serious it is. <laughs> Is drenched with so much meaning, it's unbelievable. Talk about a drama queen. This is the king of all kings of drama. <laughs> you're dying for someone to recognize how special you are here. <laughs> and they're busy trying to have someone identify their special. <laughs> hasn't been taken away. It's been turned into a form of looking, called self-centeredness, but the seeing is in place. The form of looking is just piggybacking on the only thing that's going on here, which is seeing. Now, I don't mean visually seeing, seeing, like awareness. Yeah. The form of looking, called self-centeredness, is piggybacking on that, but while it claims to be the seer, it's a form of looking, yeah, called self-centeredness. So the looking, instead of the seeing being like dispersed and uh, like a large aperture, it's very refracted with a lot of weird conditional prisms, yes? So what you're seeing in some cases, like in recovery, we would say people are seeing or they're looking in a certain way that produces a seeing of false evidence that appears real. So they're taking... Uh, takes of the mind as being real. Like, these people are out to get me. That person's been talking about me at the meeting. And that person hasn't talked about you for years. You know what I mean? You absolutely have no... You're <coughs> not even going to flip on their little radar screen. But because you're in that self-centeredness, you're thinking everything's about you. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So false evidence appears real. This is not just for alcoholic mind. Alcoholics... Alcoholism is just an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. Most people are in the state of self-centeredness, instead of centeredness. Centeredness is different. If you're truly centered, wherever you are is the center. Self-centeredness, there's no wherever you are. There's always where you were and where you're going to be. There's never wherever you are. You don't recognize wherever you are. How could you? Everything you think is thought with time. Even the feeling of you being ready to hear this message is already engaged in time. What you are is prior to the you, and then therefore prior to time. As soon as the you wants to hear this message, you now took what's timeless and made it into an idea of time. That's why you don't get it. You don't get this in time. It's a timeless intrusion on time. Yeah? So I'm not saying you're going to ever get it, because you're not. You are never going to get it. But if you're not that you, that's in a form of what you would call getting it. It's not a getting it, because there's nothing, you, you didn't have it before. It's just a recognition of, like, an always soness of it, yeah? Which really puts out a lot of the engines of the seeking, yeah? And then the value of life gets more into here, instead of a mental here, which is not here, it's there and then, yeah? You start actually engaging with what's happening. <laughs> it's very novel, <laughs> it's very, yeah. and it's very surprising, because what's happening... The feedback from what's happening gives you a totally new message of what you would take to be you. If the feedback gets claimed by this, you're going to get the same old message. Even if it's clothed with as a new message, it will be the same old, same old message. <laughs> I'm serious. But if it's seen, if I'm not that, then th- this constant uh, circular activity of conscious contact, yes, going back and forth... It's very invigorating, first of all, and then the, the input, uh, not being claimed by self-centeredness, has a much different impact on you than when it's sucked up into selfing and made into, oh, you know what happened to me today? And then tons of stories about what you know, what it means to you, what happened. No, it's almost like every second <clears throat> is left behind, because the next second you're in is the exact same second that you seem to have left. Yes. There's no fucking difference. There is no time. <laughs> There's an unadulterated, unabridged awareness that's not being segmented into time and days and locations and people. <laughs> it's, it's not. There is no degrees in the awareness. There's no, oh, he's more awake, she's less awake. All this is all fucking baloney. It's just seeing, it's seeing turn into a form of looking. And then you find yourself on some graph where you think you are and you look down on the ones that aren't there and you usually envy the ones that seem to be higher than you. Yeah? yeah. Watch it. You see the mind for its, all its glory. The conditional mind is a parasitical movement. That's what it is. It has the nature of a parasite in a way. It claims life and calls it my life. Yeah. It claims time and makes it my time. It claims you, and makes it my girlfriend. You've noticed, if you have a a guy or a woman you're seeing, it might be really a lot of fun. And then one day, it it gets christened into my girlfriend. And then like three months later, you're up on stalking charges, or you're breaking into internet, (laughs) thinking you have the right to read your girlfriend's emails. Give me a fucking break. You don't see the, the dimension of conditionality? of the meaning that gets transferred from a mind to what it thinks it's engaged with? Like in the Course of Miracles, it says very clearly, you and I give everything all the meaning it has. That's what happens. You and I give everything, all, all, not some of the meaning, all of the meaning it has. In other words, nothing here has any meaning. It's given to it by where the mind is coming from. If it's coming from self-centeredness, the system of selfing will be distributing the me, which is all going to be time-based, always going to be based on things, always going to be based on this is real, this is solid, this means something, and this, oh, what's a space? No, fuck you know, it. I'd like to fill this space up. But how, that's what I see space as. Let's fill this up as fast as possible. That's why so many thoughts go everywhere. Yeah, It can't stand its own reflection of its nature. The conditional mind. It doesn't want to see what it is, so it just gives meaning to everything. So it makes everything something, and a whole lot of something, usually. (laughs) The Course would describe it beautifully. It says, hey, you're the dreamer of the dream. You forgot that you dreamt this dream, and you're giving what you dreamt all the power to affect you right now. That's basically how people are living here. The perfect way, you want to take all the thousands of examples, you can boil it down, and that's basically what's happening. In the Course's view, it's projection, not perception. Perception is secondary. That's the influence of the trance. Projection of mind is the dreaming. Yeah? Now, the perception of the body is the, is the dreamt object re- um, reacting to the dream. Yeah. It sees things as real and solid and having an inherent meaning. Jesus Christ, you're immediately the quote unquote oneness you dream of has already been made into two-ness, geometrically progressing into the ten thousand things, like they say in Chinese philosophy. One energy, I would say there's no, one. it's just nothing, and then it breaks into this 2 ness and then the two-ness is there, two-ness dance, and ten thousand things are made up all day. And now it just geometrically progresses to ten million things and just goes on and on and on and on and on. The self thing knows no bounds, except its own. And it doesn't want to admit that. It's finite. It's definitely very finite. It is not independent. And it's not separate. It's just a mental process. Yeah? Where did I go from there? I was going left there. I went to alcoholism. Now, now I'm into a mystical... Quantum physics, yes. Go. Oh, of Course in Miracles, I stopped doing a while. I'm taking a tour today. Well, is downloading right Maybe I could describe it that by going like this. I could go just like that even too. It doesn't matter. It's a down, an unspecific download that this little antenna picks up. <laughs> and then applies it to what's seemingly happening and going, Whoa, <laughs> that's a huge translation from this to that. <laughs> what's, what's allowing this to translate into that? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, it's this camera tripod. Oh, I didn't recognize that. I thought it was me. <laughs> I'm translating that energy into a manifestation? I'm the, the translation box? Whoa! No, you're not. That's the beauty of it. You're what's being translated. Not, you're not the, the mechanism it uses to translate. Yeah? You are what's being translated. You're not receiving what's translated. You're not receiving a download. You are that download. You are every expression of it. You're its imminence, and then you're its manifestation. Your imminence, then, to manifest here, it has to manifest seemingly through a thing. Not to a thing, through a thing, yes? But the thing is just a little conduit for what's not manifesting to manifest. That's all it is, yeah? Yet, we have give this a you significance, when if you've seen a dead body, usually there's like, I, have, I always tell the story, because when I was about nine years old, my uncle Fred passed away, my mother took me to the funeral, and it was a Catholic funeral, and they all have an open casket, and you, you can walk by the casket and say your goodbyes, to whoever it is. Yeah. So I didn't really particularly want to do that, my mother said, yes, let's go say goodbye to Uncle Fred. What do you mean know? you know, goodbye to Uncle Fred, whatever? So I went there, and I saw him, and he was dead, obviously, and my head hit, got a very strong hit. That's not Uncle Fred. You know? This is not Uncle Fred. What I was taken to be Uncle Fred... What The body was the only reason why I was taking it to be the body was I was taking that same energy to be the body called Paul. When I saw the conduit without the energy, it definitely wasn't what I was calling Uncle Fred. I was calling Uncle Fred the energy, but I had misidentified it because I was in a state of misidentification. That's simple as that, yes. So once I saw, hey, Jesus Christ, that's not you, Yeah. So if you die now... And you wouldn't mind, would you? You You (laughs) would take your eye out and put it in someone's head that needed an eye. That eye would see, but it wouldn't be seeing any more out of your eye. So obviously the eye is not seeing, is it? It facilitates seeing. I mean vision. Yeah, it facilitates it. So we, as this, which we're not, just facilitate what's not manifest to manifest. Yeah. And even stuff that here, that can't actually manifest, its effects manifest through us. Mental ideas and emotions like anger and stuff, they take form or they take an expression in activity here, yeah? So like you see, you'll see like uh, the human condition sometimes, you'll see an overall wind that you can't see, but you see it by its uh, its effects here, and you would call that wind greed, let's say, or another wind called envy. These are just mental possibilities that are seeking expression. And if you're in the identification of self, you're like a landing pad for those things to express through you. See what I'm telling you? They just come in. And so in a way, if you think someone's greedy, all they are is a representation of greed. Greed is just manifesting through the conduit. Because that same quote-unquote person that seems to be so greedy can have a transformation where they're very saintly because they're neither greedy nor saintly. They're just a possibility of something, which we would call, let's say, no-thing, which we can't see it, to manifest. Yeah. So, in this invitation, I find this becomes a much larger receiver of many different downloads than if, when it plugs off of K-Paul, you know, the radio station of I, me mine. It's just, that's a very small frequency. It's like the golden oldies, all day. (laughs) Playing all day. And then finding expression here, through quote-unquote you. Yeah? And to fight them when they're out is pointless. Because all you're doing is reinforcing the you that could vanquish them, which opens you up for more downloading of that same... Flavor of eunice, yeah? All rooted in self centeredness. All of them. All of them are rooted. How they find expression here is through the, the portal of self centeredness. When mind gets to be so tunnel vision into a process of selfing, it opens up for these forms of expression. And on a grand scale, seemingly, you. The same conduit, if seen to be not that, suddenly starts getting different downloads, starts, starts getting filled up with different juice, starts seeing things quite differently, starts holding things quite differently. And maybe the story is it's you seeing things differently and you holding, but after a while that's obviously not so. There is no you holding it differently. There's just holding differently. Yeah? And that's what really lets you off the hook of all your ideas of the past. All that guilt and shame that's rested on doership, that's a very difficult one to throw off here, especially as an identified self. Because the feeling of being an identified self is you're the doer of your life. No matter how many people explain to you, you were powerless over all that behavior. You were under the throes of a lot of influence, and you know, you've got to give yourself a break. And you can conceptually understand that, but your basic primary of, of the system is you're the personal doer of whatever's happening. Whatever's happened. And so tons of guilt and shame, a certain flavor of mental expression starts to become the dominant, let's say, asteroid in your little asteroid belt. <laughs> yes? And you believe they're driving you crazy. Like, and you give them the sense of being a thing, guilt and shame. But they're not a thing. They're in that orbit because of the gravity of you as the planet Paul. The planet Paul keeps all of those winds of mind in the orbit that they're in for them to manifest here. I know it because I've seen the difference. When the planet Paul drops out, what becomes dominant is the sense of space, not what's filling up the space. It's the sense of space, which I believe is our true nature, is spacious, like the open sky. I believe the quality of our mind is like The sky, the example of the sky where everything can appear in the sky, but none of the appearances affect it No plane runs into a chunk of sky when it's flying.